Hello, everybody. Welcome to the All Things Gratitude Podcast, Saturday edition. Um, today is a very important show, I believe, um, with what's going on in the world today um, with COVID and lockdowns. We're having a lot of depressions, a lot of domestic violence, a lot of drug overdose, you know, um, just drug addiction. And, you know, we feel we have to get the word out and let people know there is help out there and there's people willing to help and people willing to listen to help you. So today's guest I met on a room called Clubhouse or an app called Clubhouse. We're in a room where it was just, you know, let's hear it. Tell us your story. And the purpose of the room was just, hey, let's talk about our work careers and everything. And it turned into a very big mental wellness chat where we talk from everything from domestic violence to drug addiction um to just a lot of important subjects and you know the room was very powerful i believe it went on for almost three hours and and it felt good i got a lot of messages we got a lot of messages talking about how much it's helped people and it was glad to hear somebody else was in the same situation they were so and they got out of it so i mean the room right there it reached people that was great so our next guest is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist from Philly. Um, she holds bachelor of science work degree from Lock Haven University and a master's of social work from Howard University School of Social Work. She is currently working on building her own private health practice and first book called Hidden Wounds, My Breakthrough to Healing, a memoir focused on her experiences of struggling with her own mental health while working on her own journey to happiness and stability. She has a hashtag uh, every day. It's uh, Shara Ruffin's Thoughts of the Day. Um, please welcome to the All Things Gratitude podcast, Shara Ruffin. Shara, thank you for being on today. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Yeah, it was so cool to meet, like meet in the room. I saw like stories and I was like, oh, let me go in. I'm not sure. Let me go ahead and tell my story because I've only been on there for maybe about a week. Um, just going around trying to network and meet people. Clubhouse is just such a nice place to just uh, in this time to just connect with people. So I was like, I don't know. I was kind of had some fear going on. I was like, let me just jump in and and you know, tell my story. I've been doing that on Clubhouse. LinkedIn, I've been doing that two years a lot longer. Uh, and I shared it and here we are. <laughs> it was great because like I said in the intro, I was not expecting the room to go the way it did, but mm -hmm. the importance of it, you mm -hmm. know, there was no reason to stop it or say this is, wasn't the intent of the room. And sometimes those rooms like that, that's what happens. And, it's, and it happens for a reason. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I just feel it's such an important subject. It always has been. But then at the same time, especially now with lockdowns and COVID and just what a lot of it's almost like more and more going on now. And it just people need to know there's people out there who want to help, who are here to help them, who have fought through a lot of these uh, mm -hmm. dark times and made it through and become very successful. So um, we. Jaris Tucker and I talked about we're gonna we're gonna keep doing that room once a week. We thought it was very important for people, and um, you know, so we're gonna keep doing that. So, and then we connected right away, and you're very gracious and saying yes, I'll come on your podcast and talk about my story, so I, we can help some people. And just thank you for being on today. I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. So I guess I could start with what I told you, right? So it's the pandemic story. Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, in November, I want to say November 2019, I had started uh, studying for my LCSW exam, my licensed clinical social work exam. Um, I had been at that for 10 years to get to taking this exam. Usually it only takes two years for uh, social work, but life happened um, and I finally got to this place like, okay, I can get ready to take it. Failed it by two points. So that's what happened to me in November, 2019. So I started working um, just as a, a contractor, um, just to keep the money flowing because I had been out of my clinical psychotherapist job for about a year and I needed a break. Um, just needed a break from doing clinical therapy. I just, I was burned out. So I decided to go ahead and do contracting work with good money. So I was like, okay, we're good. I'm just going to do this. Then the pandemic hits. Oh boy. So the pandemic hit end of March lockdown and my contract had ended. So I had to decide, um, what should I do? Should I stay home to take care of, um, three kids, my, uh, partner and his two children, and then also my six-year-old son. Um, my partner, who's now my fiance, he works outside the home. Um, so I had to make that choice. It was hard because not only was a pandemic going on, but in Philly, if you remember, there were a lot of the riots during the summer. Um, so I went through a roller coaster of depression because um, I needed to get this board certification done. I had worked 10 years to get to that point and I had failed it. I was supposed to take it at the end of March. That didn't happen. Um, my test kept getting pushed back. So I ended up taking it a year, <laughs> a year later, November, 2020, I passed it. But in between that, um, I went through it because I went from making a good salary to, um, being a stay at home mom and having to, uh, get on food stamps and losing insurance, um, having to get on state insurance and really advocate for myself. And I wasn't going to do that at first. You know, there's a stigma. Um, I have ADHD and generalized anxiety disorder. And even as a mental health professional, I've had my share of having to fight with stigma. Um, even though I'm providing care, I'm also the other side is I'm human and I'm dealing with these real um, issues that not everyone else is seeing because they look at mental health providers as, oh, you guys have the answers and we really don't. So I, I share that story because um, I want to be uh, transparent with people and they connect by my story by just sharing it. So when I ended up on, uh, on food stamps and I could barely feed my son, um, depression hit in Philly, there were riots, the pandemic's raging. I could now as a social worker, there are plenty of jobs out there. I could have worked, but I didn't, we didn't know what this thing was. We didn't know how we caught it. You know, I, I knew a little bit out of it, but as a social worker, you're having to deal with, uh, you know, the, you know, a vulnerable population, you know, the virus is spreading. I didn't want to bring that home to my kids. So I had to make a choice between making a salary or staying home and just studying for my exam, which was hard because my anxiety is kicking in. I'm not sleeping well. Um, it's hard because I don't know if it's firecrackers going on or is there shooting. Yeah. And it was a little bit of both um, in Philly. Uh, helicopters were raging around and and it was hard to decipher. It was like, okay, when there's a helicopter going in West Philly, we know somebody got shot, killed, something happened. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way of life around here. Um, unfortunately, I grew up here, um, but it, it just got really, I really got, really depressed because I was like, I need to take this exam. I need to move on. But I, migraines are kicking in every day for three months straight. I could barely get out of bed. I could barely um, operate as a mom, uh, having to lay down, taking four, et cetera, in a day. Um, and I just, I said, I got to, I got to reach out for help. So I ended up um, applying for state insurance 
getting on food stamps. Thank God that safety net was there. Um, that safety net was there when I was a child and it was there again for me to use it. Um, but it still took time for me to get back. I literally, let me tell you what I did for three, <laughs> from four months, I couldn't even study or concentrate. My ADHD was just off the charts. I played Nintendo Switch. That's what I did. I played, <laughs> I played Nintendo Switch Animal Crossing for three straight months. I was a big gamer as a kid, but um, as an adult, you know, my son, he has a Nintendo Switch. He got one over the pandemic um, from my family. And then um, the stimulus check came, of course, and I ended up using that to pay for my exam and also to pay for necessities. But um, I treated myself to a Switch and I'm not ashamed of it because it actually got me back into something that I loved as a kid. And I played that... <laughs> day and night in between migraines when I didn't have them just to focus on something I needed to escape. And so many people, um, you know, need that. Gaming became a big boom um, over the pandemic. Um, and I ended up finding an online community to talk to. There are other therapists playing, people working. And um, at first I felt like, you know, I heard my colleagues saying, oh, you know, you're at home and you're doing well. And, uh, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not. So <laughs> I am, I'm really struggling with have this pandemic and, and not doing what I love to do because um, in social work, that LCSW is the holy grail. Um, I end up 10 years to give you that 10 year, I'm backtracking a little bit. That just to tell you the meaning of this um, exam, uh, graduated 10 years ago for with my master's. And then after that, I end up getting engaged. Um, six year uh, relationship didn't work out. Then I ended up, um, getting engaged again to my ex-husband. We lost our daughter. Um, we had a stillborn, um, seven months utero. Um, passed my master level license, which you have to get in order to get to the clinical one, get those hours. But in between that six month um, period of trying to just study, I was exhausted and couldn't focus. And then having to deal with the loss of a child and then having to work in a job um, in that time frame where I'm having to see patients and still work on my career, my marriage is falling apart. I'm going through postpartum. I almost gave up my son through um, when I was postpartum depressed because I felt like I couldn't be a good mom. My ex-husband, who was active duty, was states away from me. He couldn't really help. And then he's thinking about going back overseas <laughs> um, instead of retiring right away. And I, I went through the motions of loss, that 10-year span of trying to build a career, have lost it, losing a child, uh, being oppressed, um, drinking. Um, in my family, we dealt with uh, our issues by drinking, burying them, um, drinking a lot, going to work, um, having to just fight with my own mental illness and seek help, um, having a failing marriage, having my husband have a baby during our marriage, which I found out after. So we, it was a lot of things that happened between me getting that master's and then getting to that clinical um, status. Um, and it wasn't two years shot. And I share that story a lot because that's how much that exam <laughs> meant to me. Um, but nonetheless, fast forwarding to our, my, air, my AirPod <laughs> thought all fell out, but fast forward um, 10 years later during this pandemic, I'm having to kind of rehash those things again, um, having to really figure out what am I going to do? I, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm used to working full-time. So it, it was a lot. Um, and then having to get on medication for my ADHD and anxiety, um, that was pretty rough because I had never been on medication before, believe it or not, um, having to really come to terms with that. And then um, 
having to just deal with balancing home life and uh, family life, it, it was exhausting. So yes, I'm a big gamer. I saw somebody in the comments. <laughs> yes, I'm a huge gamer. I love games. I just started getting back on Nintendo Switch. My son's going to upload a YouTube channel on gaming because he's six and he has a PS4 Pro and a right. Nintendo Switch. And he goes back and forth between Minecraft, Roblox, um, and a couple other games. So we're big gamers in this house. It's, it's just a, a good escape for us. And I rekindled that love um, during the pandemic, which actually helped me to not focus on anything else. Um, you know, seeing all the increases of the reports of cases go up, it, exhausting. You know, you're looking at like, you don't know what's, how this thing is spreading. And it took months for them to really figure out what was really going on uh, or how it spread. So um, then by the time I actually took this exam again, five hours in a room while there's a bomb threats going off at the convention center. So when I took the test, it was uh, about November 6th, the day before we found out who's going to be president. <laughs> so when I took it, I'm exhausted and I'm like, Oh my God, I I'm the whole week before the test. Uh, I was constantly looking at CNN. Like we didn't know it was kind of, you know, unprecedented the way we found out in terms of, you know, the counts and whatnot, but not to get all political, but that's just where I was. I was not thinking about the test. And then having to test that day that I found out, oh, my God, it could be a bombing going at a convention center because they're county ballots. We were the swing state in Pennsylvania. So it was a hectic day. But when I came out of that experience, about 1231 and the test came out at six o'clock at night. Um, I was exhausted, but I still can believe that I passed. It took me 10 years to get to that spot of being able to legally do what it is that I want to do in the profession um, and to be able to spread value in a way that I want to. Because as a master level clinician, there's only so far you can go um, and having to make that jump from uh, being a student, per se, to actually going ahead and, you know, taking all that clinical knowledge and experience and, and moving on. Um, so that's the fast track of that uh, story. And I'm not sure what piece of that actually, Nick, that we I talked about in the uh, in the room in the clubhouse room that day. But yeah, it, it was that pandemic. I understood um, a lot of my colleagues were out in the front line. Um, I actually got a good taste of that when I had surgery um, November 9th, right after um, my test. I had to get it. I have I was born with two ear pits. Um, they kept getting infected, so I finally decided to go get them taken out. Um, but when I was on the floor at University Penn, man, just the amount of people that the nurses, the doctors, they were talking about how exhausted they were. It's one thing to hear about on the news. It's another thing to actually be talking to people that's right there. Um, they were at the time talking about the wave of the Thanksgiving and Christmas coming holiday wave that was coming. And I remember talking about that um, process on LinkedIn. And I shared like the next day after I had surgery, like, man, you know, these people are out here risking their lives. Some of them are not, you know, they're providing care to their patients. They're exhausted. Um, and some of my colleagues are out there front line. Uh, of course, I'm not. I'm home um, getting ready to do a telemental health practice. Um, I've just been blessed to be able to be in a space to do that now. Um, but it's it's exhausting. People are struggling even now, even after getting that $600 stimulus check. I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but people are, you know, people can't put two pennies together. And I remember the whole 10 months, I'm in a negative, negative bank account um, and just exhausted um, and trying to figure out what, you know, what's going to be next. This homeschooling thing, 
with a six-year-old or something. Yep. <laughs> it's something else. My son started homeschooling in March, um, kindergarten. He ended kindergarten that way, graduating from kindergarten online, which was, you know, it's a un, it's an unreal experience. I remember kindergarten a little bit. I'm only 34, um, going on 35 in two months. But you know, that type, even for most children, high school kids or um, you know, middle school kids, they're having to connect in a way that we haven't had to do in the past. Yeah. Um, and for my 13 year old and the 10 year old, they're also having to experience that same thing where they're missing their friends. They're wanting to connect. Of course, with technology, they all have iPads. So <laughs> they, they get on their games and play Fortnite and, and talk and play games together that way. But there's nothing like that, you know, that social human connection. Um, so I'm very thankful for Clubhouse because it gives you another uh, avenue to connect with people. And, it, and it's challenging because you, you had to listen to people, right? So I know I'm kind of bouncing all over here. So I'm going to let you jump it's all in good. if you want to um, <laughs> well, well, and talk for days. Oh, it's all good. That's what this podcast is about is, you know, to highlight people and what they do and maybe the struggles in life they've gone through to get to where they're at today, you know? So um, just spreading gratitude and that's what you're, you're doing, you know? And a couple things. First, congratulations on passing your test. And number Thank two, <laughs> um, happy upcoming birthday. Um, Thank you. But it, it's so weird in the world right now because it all depends where you live. Like I'm oh, in a yeah. state, Arizona, we've never closed. I mean, we've always been open. Schools, have, I think schools went from home for like one or two weeks. That's it. Kids have been mm -hmm. fully in school and and we have uh, grandkids up in Washington and they're not in school. And I know kids are struggling because they need that inner person. Yeah. They need to be playing. You know, you can only... I know gaming and everything's there, but you can only stare at something for so long and just you know you just get stuck into it and and you lose this interaction on how to actually communicate with people and actually go outside and play and enjoy your childhood or even enjoy adulthood you know mm -hmm. because we're humans we're meant to interact with people you know we're not meant to sit at home all day and do nothing you know mm -hmm. so um it's just a crazy time really quick i want to get to uh say hi to some people in the comments because we've had some okay. nice comments going on i want to okay. say hello to my friend joe Joe, the finance Joe. guy. How you doing, Joe? Out of Indy. Uh, hey, David. Thanks for being on. Hey, guys. First time on. Well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. Um, looks like we have Lovely. How you doing? Thanks for stopping by today. My good friend, Paula. She was in our room the other day. Oh, on yeah, I remember. Yeah. Jedi POTUS out of uh, Canada. So great daily inspiration, too. My friend, Jordan. Oh, yeah, um, Jordan. yeah, Jordan was in there. Uh, let's see who else we got. I know there's some people saying comments in there. Hey, guys, if you're on Facebook, putting down comments for some reason are not popping up on the side. So I'm not ignoring you. Um, mm -hmm. It's been doing that the last three podcasts. So I do have an email into StreamYard about that. And some people said hi to uh, Jarris. If you're out there, Jarris, what's up, man? I did not see anything pop up for you. So thanks for being there. Rachel Beck, it looks like you jumped in too. I didn't see a comment. So thank you for joining. So um, here's the big thing, uh, Shara. Um, you've been through a lot in your life, you know, and in Clubhouse, we, I, you really um, talked about your um, past marriage and everything I went through with it and the struggles you had with that, you know, and then that, I think that's where we connected because it was a strong story on everything I do. You know, I believe you mentioned about some shots for your, one of your kids you had to do all the time. Yeah. You had yeah. Like yeah. That. 
So yeah, um, that was off of a post that I uh, Nick, uh, not to cut you off, but that was oh, off of. A, <laughs> that's when I, I I said when I first started knowing that I could actually do something around speaking because I was I, I was growing up I was just the type of kid that just hi Darren I see her. <laughs> um, her comments just popped up. Yeah. Um, it, it was one of those things where I, I posted on LinkedIn. I, I talk stories all the time on there. Hi, Joseph. Um, I talk about stories all the time. And with my son, I posted a video of him dancing to Brutal March. I'll never forget it two years ago. Yep. And he was dancing to Brutal March and he said, Mommy, I don't have to get shots anymore. I said, No, baby, you don't. He had a kidney abnormality uh, at six months and they told me he had to have surgery. Um, and this was during a time in my marriage where me and my husband were pretty much separated. And I was just going through the thralls of depression and trying to work uh, as a therapist, trying to get my clinical career up and going, um, being so marriage and my personal life was falling apart. Um, and at that time, I shared that story, taglined it, and a person reached out um, through a child psychology conference in Toronto, Canada, say, hey, I want you to share this story. Because my son said, mommy, I don't have to get no needles or anything. I said, no, baby, you're done. And he started dancing. I put up that video, not to just, you know, get attention or anything, but I wanted to share something that was significant to uh, my own healing and process with my son. And I shared that and it got me my first speaking engagement in Toronto, Canada. Um, April 2019 is when I did it. And I have not looked back in terms of telling my story um, and really wanted people to connect um, and just especially about the military community. I grew up in the military. My father was in the Navy. My grandfather was also in the Army. I had a couple of uh, friends that were also um, in this were different branches of the service. I was also engaged with someone uh, who was in the Marine Corps before my ex-husband. So it, yeah, many uniforms, <laughs> but all the, and it, it was just one. That's a whole nother story. We talk about another day about family pathology and repeating them, right? But nonetheless. Um, just those those powerful pieces of my life that I wanted to be vulnerable to say, hey, I'm not perfect. I shared that pandemic story on LinkedIn. It blew up. Uh, people saying, hey, I see all those accolades, all those you know letters, and people get intimidated when they see that. It's like, okay, she has everything together. I'm like, no, I'm flat broke. I may have all these certificates and things like that, but I'm flat broke. I'm on food stamps during the pandemic. When I said that, I almost took that post down, <laughs> but I left it up. Um, I said, no, this is part of my journey. I want people to see me. And I shared that and it, I never looked back. People from all over reached out and said, man, thank you for stating that because it's real out here for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life, what economic status, what, you know, what race you are. We all experience things, you know, differently. We may walk a different path, but, but there are things that we experience the same. We all have minds, you know, we're all affected um, by mental health at some point in time as it fluctuates. And that's what I, I really want to hone in to do is just to share as much as I can um, that I feel that holds value. I don't, I'm an open book. I don't really hold anything back. Um, and the other piece of that is um, I'm a first generation college student. I'm also a first generation uh, person to graduate with a master's degree. So that was a totally, um, I kind of had to push through school to really um, hone in on my craft. There was no one else to, that I had a model for that journey. Um, I wanted to get out of a situation where I was low income. I, I was born to teenage parents and they just pushed education. I'm the oldest of five children. So I really wanted to set example for them, but I loved reading. Um, I used to get teased about it as a little girl. Kids would be out playing 
um, in the hot sun, I would be out reading useless books, Fear Street and all types of other books, anything I get my hands on, because for me, that was escape from the violence in my community. That was escape from uh, things that my parents didn't. They kept me very sheltered, but um, it was own, own your own birthright of dignity, Paula. <laughs> I love that. Um, but it, it was just my way of escaping in that love for it. books and education led me to talking to you today. So again, awesome. thank you for letting me tell my stories, pieces of it, and whatever pieces that people can grab um, to know that if you can put your, if you can see it, you can do it. It may take longer. It may, you know, it doesn't matter. Your journey is your journey. So, you know, uh, first of all, congratulations on being the first one to go through college and graduate and everything. That That is big for a lot of families. People don't realize what that means, you know, because like you said, there's some heartaches and people just, you know, and where people live and everything, it's just, it makes it hard. And you're the second person in two weeks that has a degree from Howard who's been on my show. So that's, that's hey, really cool. Howard, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yep. Our, I have a vice president up in there that's an alumni from Howard. So I'm very excited. His, I think HBCUs are, you know, well overdue for what they contribute um, to students of color and not only students of color, but, you know, they HBCUs were looked at as insignificant. Um, and they're not. So I'm so glad that our soon to be vice president uh, is shedding light on that, that you don't have to go to an Ivy League school, uh, you know, to get a great education. HBCUs do have a significant uh, pivotal point in education. They've definitely turned out a lot of uh, great people. Uh, recently, uh, RIP Chadwick Bozeman, he graduated from Howard University. Um, so th they're just so much rich history. And actually, got accepted to um, Ivy League school. I didn't go. Um, I, I got accepted to the University of Pennsylvania for um, my master's degree in social work, Temple University in Howard. I chose Howard, one, because it is cheaper. And I knew I was going to go back for a doctorate eventually. Plus, I was already living in D.C. at the time. Um, mm -hmm. So I figured I would take that route, uh, go to Howard, make put a hit back in for Penn for a doctorate. Uh, but yeah, that, that was, and that was my dream school was Penn, but I chose Howard because of the rich history. And I went to a predominantly white college. Um, and I wanted the experience of seeing people of my, you know, my own background succeed. And I'm glad I did it. Um, nonetheless, everyone's experience is different, but I've been able to have the experience of, of walking on both sides. So nonetheless. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Marcus Ogden was on my show. He went to Howard, but He's a great keynote speaker, but he was drafted into the NFL. So there's not a lot of people from Howard who make it into the NFL. So that's something yeah. he's very proud of, you know, and everything. So um, great guy. Um, hey, I, I believe in life. We're all led down a path for a reason. And yeah. while we're in the middle of that, we don't understand it, but it makes sense down the road, Ooh. you know, and, mm. you know, right now, I believe you're led down a path, which maybe at the moment didn't make sense, but it's leading to wanting to open your own practice, being the first graduate in your family, you know, writing a memoir now, telling your story because didn't, all this, didn't think about that at all. <laughs> no, all, the, all this is getting to people out there. And I, I believe everybody in some way needs some type of mentors, a close circle who have the same interests of you that you can open up to and talk to, you know? Um, All right, Nick, I'm already on it. I am yeah, already I, I on it. I feel that's so <laughs> important. I feel that's, you're turning into that person, you know, where people can come to you, ask you, because people need inspiration. People need to see that you can actually get out of this darkness and get into a good position in your life. Um, our friend Paula is, you know, 
she's great. You know, she's gone through some issues in her life and she's just daily inspiration for people and want to help so many people. And, you know, a good friend of mine, you know, so, I mean, I just love hearing stories where people can come from a dark place, make it out and want to help other people. That's the key. You want to help other people. So that is your calling in life is to help people. And on that mm -hmm. aspect of it, congratulations for get starting the process of your own practice, right? Your practice book. launching yeah. my, uh, also I'm launching a cooking show. So the cooking with oh, the therapist awesome. YouTube channel. So I'm, <laughs> that was a joke actually. Uh, hi, George. I saw him pop up on there. Um, it, that was actually a joke. It started on LinkedIn. As I was cooking bourbon chicken. And on things, I think a day after Thanksgiving, I was teaching people how to deep fry a turkey. And I was doing it outside. Not only people know how to do that. Um, so it blew up. And people was like, I think you should just go ahead and make your own cooking show. I'm tired of seeing all these recipes you're making. I was like, fine. Um, I figured I love cooking. I love talking about mental health. So I figured a good way of combining that is to go ahead and uh, do live streams on what I'm cooking and you know what I like to share and, and have people really connect that way. Um, and for reference to the mentoring piece, I start actually shared my story. I actually hosted my first clubhouse room. Um, that was to other master level clinicians sharing that 10 year decade piece to getting licensure um, to help other social workers uh, in the profession that are really struggling from all walks of life. When I shared that journey I made um, on LinkedIn, Facebook groups, people was like, man, can you help me? I, I need help with tutoring. I need somebody to walk me through. And people are paying lots of good money for this. I did. I got end up getting a tutor to get through part of the exam um, the first time I took it. And I just I just want to share those experiences and give value what I where I can. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you are right, Nick. Every experience that you have molds you is pushing you in a direction. For me, there were definitely times in my experience where I just felt like life was just throwing me, throwing me things, and I'm like, I, I just I don't know how to get out of it. I'm just going through this tunnel, and I I don't I can't see the light, and not knowing that the light was those painful the darkest parts of my journey ended up being the things that actually propelled me forward into these moments where I'm um, sharing and, and talking about those journeys. Um, yeah, I, I definitely believe that your mistakes are definitely not mistakes. They're, they're happening for a reason. If you're, you know, making them, um, I feel like every mistake is part of the journey and not even looking at it as a mistake. It's just a lesson, you yeah. know, a teachable moment. You know, yes. like I tell my teams at work, you know, we don't fail. It's a teachable moment and we figure out where the mistake happened and we improve it. You know, there's no reason to harp on people or get mad at them because we're humans and perfection doesn't exist. People use that word all the time and I hate it. It doesn't exist. And we all, you know, go through ups and downs in our lives, mm. you know, and it's just how you battle through it, you know, and. So one, I want to know about your YouTube channel when it comes out because that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually taping next week. So awesome. And another one, like this podcast, I always told people I want to do a podcast, but you know, I didn't do it till I got called out on it, you know, and it was just kind of okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have my friends on there. Let's have mm -hmm. some fun. Then it turned into like keynote speakers, then it turned into TEDx speakers, then it turned into, you know, we have you on about mental health wellness sorry and um you remember l in the room that we yeah. had at, yeah she's uh we're scheduling time with her to come on too so it turns into all these stories and these great things that can help people and i'm at the point where i'm just like if this can get out and you can help one person by your story we're winning the battle That's you know and, and then one turns into two tur turns into four four turns into eight you know and then then it starts 
but we just have to get people just to um, get past the stage of being ashamed to say something or look for help. I think that's oh, the biggest yeah. thing. You get, yeah. you get stuck in that darkness of it's my fault. I'm ashamed. I don't want people to know. And you don't have to go out and tell everybody, but you do need to find that person to connect to that can help you through that, those dark times. Yeah, I, I concur, Nick. Um, even for me as a mental health professional, it was hard. Um, hard for me to reach out for help. Get that, right? Uh, I'm telling people, you know, what <laughs> you're telling people, reach out for help. You need to get help. But yet I'm struggling. Um, I've been diagnosed with ADHD only since March. Before that, um, I've had anxiety. I was dealing with it most of my life. Um, I grew up in a community where whatever happens at home, it stays at home. In the African-American community, there's a lot of stigma regarding mental health. Um, and that was cultivated in my experience, which also kind of pivoted me to have the career that I have now in, in mental health was really, whenever I, people ask me, why do you want to be a therapist? It was really me trying to understand myself. You know, really me trying to understand why people do what they do. There's always, you know, an inner working that happens before you even gets to the action or behavior. There's something that happens in the mind before it gets there. So I really wanted to learn what that was. But in doing so, going through the education, I was rediscovering family uh, dysfunction, patterns, um, generational curses, learning more about myself through just education, um, and then trying to cultivate. Um, how I can extract those for other people, which didn't come till many years later um, with just me trying to get through my own muddle of stuff. I was really ashamed, especially during the pandemic where people are looking for me for help. Um, I like what Paula says, forgiveness of self is the release. What holds you back will never let go. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I've had to really, really take heed to that. Uh, what Paula said is really forgiving myself and moving forward um, and getting the help I need. I, I mean, if I didn't get on meds, <laughs> it would have been a lot harder to study than it was 10 years ago uh, when yep. I took my last board exam. I was I was really struggling. There was a lot of somatic symptoms, panic attacks, um, couldn't focus, couldn't help my son with his homework. The migraines were killing me. Actually, I'm fine with the migraines now are actually gone. I went to a, a, head, a, a ENT doctor and they gave me meds and a neural a uh, doctor and they found out that there was nothing going on in my head. It's clear. Nothing's there. It's all somatic, man. And it, it, people usually wait until they get to that point. Like, man, I'm about to have a heart attack and to find out doctor, doctor's like, no, that's not it. You're fine. Your body's just naturally responding to the things that you are experiencing in your environment. Those somatic, we call them somatic symptoms. Um, and for me, that was happening a lot more. There's no shame in getting help. No, it's definitely no shame in getting help. It just, for me, even as a mental health professional, I've always had to fight with the two of someone mm -hmm. that is providing care, but also being someone that weighs, still weighs heavy with the stigma of what are people going to see if I go get help, you know, having to deal with that own internalized fear. Um, but when I reached out for help and got back to therapy, because I had been in therapy for a couple of years before uh, with my my ex fiance doing marital counseling, it really helped me to really see that, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. I'm a therapist that has a therapist. I say that all the time um, because people need to know that, you know, we're human too. We have mm -hmm. issues too. Um, so yeah, there's my little rant. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing is people need to understand if people are giving you a hard time about going to therapy or anything, they're not your true friends then. They don't need to be part of your life. That's too much negativity you don't need. You know, I mean, People 
should want you to find help and get help and be the best person you can be. That's one thing that just baffles me is like people are worried about what other people think. Well, those mm-hmm. aren't your true friends then. They're not your yeah. true friends. Not everybody's going to like you. You're not going to like everybody. Find your true friends and hang around that group. You know, yeah. you don't need to be Mr. or Mrs. Popular. You, you just need to do what's good for your life and for you. So then you can pass on that love and that greatness to other people. You know, you need to find that inside of you. So, um, no, I mean, your journey has been just, I mean, it's great how you're getting through all these. It really is. And I admire it. I really do because it, it's something a lot of people can't get out of, you know, and here's here's a big thing I think where you're going to be very successful is you've gone through this. So it's like that adage, been there, done that. So when people are coming to you, you can really relate to them because you were there. So I I've use done it this. in my practice. Yeah. I've done that. I and I used to get into a lot of trouble with this, but self-disclosure when you're doing uh, clinical practice is uh it's it's a double-edged sword because they teach you that, you know, do um through you don't want to self-disclose too much because you you know, you become the patient. <laughs> you want to make sure that you are setting boundaries for me. I have always been a person um even when I didn't know what I was doing uh, many years ago when I started doing therapy, I always did heart to heart. Many of the patients that I served looked like me, came from the same neighborhoods that I came from. So my best way, you know, they was like, oh, you, you're making all this money. You got all these degrees. I'm like, no, boo, I came from the same places you come from. I didn't come from a rich family. I had to work and scrawl and scrape and, and study to get to where I am. Um, I share one story with you. Um, I had a friend I have to kind of mix this up because of uh, HIPAA and want to make sure I um, keep this person stuff private. Um, But I had someone uh, that literally I saved her life just be her, just me sharing a story of me being pregnant, almost giving my son up for adoption. Um, I can't say what her story was, but I ran into her many, many years later. And she said, you saved my life by just sharing, you know, I thought you were going to be this stuck up, you know, a chick that I saw in, you know, um, in therapy and I didn't know how you were going to help me. But when you shared with me that you have been postpartum depression and anxiety and all of that, you literally saved my life by doing that. And I cried literally because I saw the visual, uh, result of that, um, in her children. You know, one thing that's great and that that's awesome. And one thing I really like is you do like daily videos. So you put yourself out there so people get to see the real you. And I think think that's huge, especially one for Brandy, but two for a practice that you're going into, because I always tell people, anybody can sit behind a keyboard and write the best thing and sound like the most perfect person, but it, it really doesn't kick into people till you put yourself on video to your vulnerable till you put yourself out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and you got a, you got a big following on LinkedIn and people obviously people obviously like what you're doing and what you're putting out there. So like I said earlier, you're going to excel at what you do because you, you've been there, done that people are going to relate and you're going to relate to them because you're going to know the next step in their journey before they know it, because you've been through that. And I think that's a huge thing. I mean, I can go get all the degrees in the world, never experiencing that and sit down and I'm not going to, and I might not be good at what I do because I don't truly understand what they're going through. I mean, 
I can't even tell you how many of my colleagues um, are afraid to do that, have that heart to heart conversation, Nick. Um, Mm It, it, and because it takes, you have, to, for me, I know what it's like to be on the other side of the chair. I've been in the hospital before. I've been a patient um, to just lay out your skeletons and, you know, to be vulnerable. You have to be able to trust that person that's walking through that journey that they're going to be able to help you. Um, and for me, the only way I knew to do the, my, I've seen to do my best clinical work is when I with that person, uh, heart to heart, you know, if there's something that in my story that can help them, I share it. Because if you don't, it, it, the clinical therapeutic alliance is not, that relationship's going not going to work. That person's not going to trust you. So I always tend to share what I can. And when I've done that um, in my last in job, whenever I did that with patients, they made the most um, powerful, um, I want to say transformations going forward. They, they were able to take the rosy glasses off. And I think most yeah. of us, you know, we wear rosy glasses for a while. They get foggy and we have to get a new pair. And, you know, when does the day come where we actually have to take them off, right? To yeah. see the world for what it is, but also to see ourselves, um, to be connected to ourselves. There, were, there was a point in my life where I was afraid of looking inward, mm-hmm. to look into myself, um, you know, having to look in the mirror. Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you believe? Um, it took me a while to even get to the place of now even talking to you, you know, really cultivating that voice that was stifled for so long as a child and, and regaining that as an adult. It took me a very long time um, to know that my story was worth being heard and that it had power if I shared it, mm-hmm. if I was willing to go there to do it, to be it's, vulnerable. Yeah. And it, it's going to help a lot of people. I mean, it just is. I mean, like I said, you have a big following. You get on podcasts. Your 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 words getting out there, and that and that's yeah. the biggest thing. You have to get it out there. I mean, you just can't sit at home and say, "Oh, I'm going to help people and do this." You have to get out there, and that's what you're doing. Your your daily posts are great. You know, coming on some podcasts are going to help out. Clubhouse is going to help out a lot. So there's mm-hmm. another plug, uh, aka Crack House, as people are calling it now. <laughs> so I didn't know people were calling that. People were calling <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, big time. But oh um, my god. Yeah, so, so 2021, new year, but I don't, everybody's like, oh, it's a new year. Well, nothing has changed Nothing's yet. changed, no. No, 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 it's just a new year. <laughs> it, it is on the verge of changing because if vaccines are working and everything, people are starting to get them. Mm-hmm. My parents are getting them in a couple of weeks, so I'm, we're kind of excited for that. So we can, you know, they can start doing some more things, you know, but we don't know yet. We don't know for another four or five months. So going into this year and doing this, you, you talked about you want to open a practice. You talked about your memoir. Do you have target dates for these to be done or are they in the beginning stages or where are you at? Uh, with the book, all that? The, so I'll start with the book. So the book yeah. has been sitting on, I have to be real with this. So the book has been sitting on my hard drive for two years. And the reason why it actually, you talked about that LinkedIn, um, that LinkedIn following that book was birthed out of that uh, following really. Be, uh, when I started that journey two years ago, burnt out social worker, I was like, I gotta go find a job. That was my, so whenever I tell this LinkedIn story, people are like, what? You gained that many people? I said, that was your thought? You were looking to build a business? No, none of, none of that. I was just looking for a job. I was so done with where I was working. I loved my coworkers, but I didn't like the, the structure of the organization. And there was a lot of tux, toxicity. Um, so I was just looking for a way out. So what ended up happening is um, a psychologist, when I started sharing my story, I wasn't doing video on time. I've only done video for about four months now. That's it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing text posts before that ever since just telling stories that way. Um, 
the psychologist who was a book coach, he's like, man, I think you got a story. I put out an article on LinkedIn sharing my military story. And he's like, man, you need to go ahead and write a book. I was like, mm -mm, I read them. I don't write them. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not author. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And man, and it's funny because me and him are not connected now. He ended up um, just moving on. I end up, but this person, I guess for me, I entered my life for a reason, for whatever reason he did. At that whole summer, summer 2018, I wrote three books. 600 transcriptions audio by me just recording my pieces of my story every day. He's like, talk about what's going on with you. Talk about your past. Man, that summer, I, I even just audio. And then he said, go back and, you know, figure out, just figure it out. And I end up coming out with three books, 600 transcriptions later. That hit, Hidden Wounds is really just about my own journey of coming into myself, sharing, um, you know, my vulnerability, uh, emotional, physical abuse with my dad. I had a lot of daddy issues. People will label as that. Um, but a lot of dysfunction around relationships and men. Um, my fiance, my ex-husband were a product of that. Um, and I had actually had a very deep conversation with my father um, that summer that at, while doing these auto recordings, I, I said, you know, I need to go and talk to my dad. My dad is not <laughs> a touchy feely man. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's a mostly disconnected guy. Um, he has a, been a good financial provider, but he wasn't good with emotional connection. Never has. And as a woman, I was still seeking that in any other guy who showed me attention mm -hmm. um, after going through a lot of mess. I end up um, just having an eight-hour conversation with my dad at his house. I wasn't sure if he was going to say, no, we can't talk about this or not. But I came to him with the understanding of I was going to heal from this, whether he was going to give me information or not, that it would allow me to just drop it and move on. Um, and I sat with him, and we had a powerful conversation just learning who he was um, as a parent. My teen, Again, my parents were teenage parents at 19 and 20 learning who he was at that time, because as parents, especially now I'm learning now as a parent, you're human, you make mistakes. You're gonna sometimes get triggered by your past or your own parental guidance that may have not been that great. Um, and I wanted to learn that from my dad. So I went to him and, and learned so much about his history, what he was like, his own struggles. And it allowed me to see him not as a parent anymore. It allowed me to see him as human. It allowed me to let go a lot of the anger and resentment I had towards him because he was physically and emotionally abusive towards my mother. And um, I experienced a lot of that secondary trauma in the household. He, his way of um, doing things around the house in terms of um, chastising us was capital punishment, using the belt, old school stuff. And it was it was very traumatizing for me, my sister and my brother. Um, and then we adopted, my mother adopted two boys, uh, which is why I said I'm the um, sister of five. And I had to come to a place with them and saying, dad, I, 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 I love you, but these are the things that really, you know, really bothered me. Your hurt, your pain, your own pain, your own trauma to find out he had a sexual trauma, uh, which is why he was averting all of this anger outward in a way that was dysfunctional, that broke apart his marriage, that broke apart his, his relationship with his children. Um, so, you know, I thought, how many people, do, how many daughters don't have that conversation with their father? Yep. There's so many daughters um, that are fatherless by emotion, maybe not fatherless by, you know, the father being present, but not having that connection to their father. How many of them have this perception of their father just one-sided, they're the bad guy, but maybe not knowing the why. There's always a why behind where people do things. And for my father, he was, he's in his mid fifties. So he's born in 65. So He's in an era where, you know, men don't talk about things. They really don't. And that he harbored that, 
took it into the military, took that anger into the military, took that trauma into the military, brought it into his marriage and brought it to his children. And it just replicated that dysfunction. I replicated that in my marriage. I also replicated that in my relationship before that um, because I thought it was normal. And to find out that I was repeating these dysfunctional patterns that I thought I got away from when I got to college and I did not. And, and ooh, in hindsight, it was one of those things that um, I knew that I had to deal with in order to have a healthy relationship. I'm now engaged. Um, I'm engaged uh, December 25th to my best friend who I've known for 20 years. So that's a whole nother <laughs> love story. And th- he's totally d- emotionally healthy. He's connected. And I fought against that. I fought against that as a woman because I thought that's not what I deserve. I deserve that dysfunction. I deserve that emotional disconnection because for me, that's what I was used to seeing. And I thought that was what was for me. And, um, it's, you know, I had to allow somebody to love me. So that was a lot of my own baggage that I talk about, um, mostly walking through that journey with him, but catapulted from, you know, the book with my, your father's the first man, most stars fall in love with. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I I say that all the time. Um, when I had my patients that had those type of deeply entrenched issues, you know, how important the father is in a daughter's life, you know, for a boy too, but for their, you know, for the daughter, you're the first man that they see, you know, that treat, you know, you learn how to, how a man's supposed to treat you. You learn how a man treats, you know, a woman in a relationship. And for me, that was the dysfunction I carried um, and not even thinking that I was repeating it. Um, Cause when I get, got to college, I was like, oh man, I'm out. That's it. I'm going to this rural area in the middle of nowhere with these Amish folks. I'm from the inner city. So you can yeah. imagine what type of trip that was. <laughs> a little different. Um, <laughs> no, oh, it was way different. <laughs> uh, the only thing we had was a super Walmart. And that was yeah. that was like, man, this is what y'all got. Man, I'm used to the gallery in Center City. This is what is this? <laughs> uh so I loved it though. Four and a half years later, I made it through um top of my class, and it was definitely a journey um in that in itself. But nonetheless. Getting back to those projects, the book, um, I'm actually working on that to be published by the end of this year. The YouTube channel I'm starting, yes, because it needs to get out. I'm like, I'm tired. And people are holding me. I want people, some people's like, oh, don't talk about it. You're not going to do it. I literally want people to hold me accountable. So I have people, when I say they still check on me, say, hey, where's this at? I was like, oh, let me get on it. So the YouTube food channel, I was like toying with that for a while. And people was like, well, you're going to put this out. You need just to stop teasing, just put it out. Just do it. I said, oh, so I'm going to be on vacation in a Delaware vacation house, uh, quarantining with family there. And I'm going to tape um, some cooking uh, sessions there and talking about mental health and maybe doing some live stream. Um, since I got all the equipment to do that, just sitting there collecting up. If I told you what I had, you'll be like, what, what are you doing? I have a 19 inch ring light. I have a selfie ring kit uh, from the site called Social Light. I feel like I'm promoting. I'm not getting paid for this, but I literally <laughs> have all this stuff for streaming that uh, most people will like use. I'm, it's just sitting there. So I'm gonna use it because they're all gifts. And uh, since I said I was gonna get into this, um, so there's that. So I'm gonna tape all next week, learn about these editing tools and go ahead and and, and put it out there and see what happens. Um, as for the telemental health practice, I'm actually working with a colleague who's already in practice to give me the tools of what I need to actually start my practice. Um, since I'm board certified as a telemental health provider, not a lot of clinicians get that um, credential because there's a national test you have to take. Uh, that was another test I took during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> a comprehensive exam I had to take to get uh, certified in telemental health. Um, 
So several little things, little knowledge gems I was trying to do while trying to get through depression, trying to keep myself busy and getting certified in different areas, um, especially anxiety um, and depression. So that was most of my certifications this past year on top of the license. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at with the projects. I know the YouTube, you'll see that probably the beginning of February, awesome. the book you'll see at the end of the year. Um, and what else did I say? I have the telemental health practice. I should be starting that going into the next couple of weeks. I'm trying to figure out what I'm, what everything I'm supposed to have lined up to be able to do that. I'm also coaching social work students. Um, I have five people right now that I'm tutoring because of me telling my story, people are reaching out wanting to say, Hey, can you help me with this exam? I'll pay you. So, <laughs> so I was awesome. like, I have an indirect uh, tutoring coaching thing going on. I, I actually hosted on Clubhouse my first room Monday where I shared my 10 year journey and people like saying, man, I need, you know, I need help. Can you help me? So it's, it's, it's like a gradual thing at first. I'm like, I'm scared. I don't know about this clubhouse thing. I'm just listening to folks. I, I started hosting a mental health group with another, um, gentleman named Tarad. Um, so we run this mental health space almost every day. We'll be on there for hours. Uh, I may pop in and out, but I'm like, I help moderate that group as a mental health professional. And that's just someone that's in there chilling, just sharing stories and trying to give people encouragement and resources and support. Um, but now that with this clubhouse group, um, I'm actually going to apply for a club now. I never yep. thought about that. Like people are trying to monetize this. me. I wasn't even thinking about that. It was just like, how do I get my story out there? How do I connect? How do I give back to people? How do I pull other people up behind me that are taking this, this, this beast of an exam? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with everything in my world. It, it's like I went, I was, everything was flatlined. And then I just start opening up my mouth and, and jumping in, getting past the fear of talking. And now it's like I have after you I have four podcasts next week and I have a, a virtual speaking engagement <laughs> all from Clubhouse. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I applied for a club a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully that comes through. It's called the yeah. All Things Gratitude Club. So i uh, love for you to be part of that if that comes through because yeah. you'll fit right into that, you know, right into that group. And really quick, shout out to Joe. He just went on Clubhouse. He First day on there, he, I just got his thing there. Oh, so. yeah. oh. Well, welcome, Joe. <laughs> welcome to the madness. Yeah, but um, no, I'd love to host some rooms with you too and continue yeah. to talk about um, let's hear your story because I think course. it's very important. Um, we're going to wrap up here so we can get this on IG um, mm -hmm. so I don't have to edit anything. But um, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, it's hard sometimes for people to tell their story and come out, especially talking about dark times in their life, but oh, yeah. you come through dark times and you are building your foundation for success because of those hard times. And I, I just, uh, I applaud you for everything you've done. Um, it's an absolutely amazing story. And the best, and I think the best thing about it is you're willing to tell it to help other people. You know, it does, yeah, you'll make some money off of it. I get and everything. And it not necessarily you're in it for to make these millions no. of dollars. You're in it to help people. But guess what? The the perks will come with it as what you're doing just naturally, organically. That will happen. So, and that's the biggest thing. You're not in it for money. So that means you're mm -hmm. truly going to make that means you're truly going to make a difference. And that that's what people need to understand. When you do these things, you need to be organic. You need to be honest. Um, you need to get out there and especially that yeah. LinkedIn, man. Yeah, I was on that thing. Um, and really real quick, I know we're wrapping up, but yeah. that me getting to my uh, community now, I'm at 36k at 30, I'm pushing 37 now as of last yeah. night is and it's constantly jumping because people want 
you know, people want a distraction. One, you have to entertain yeah. them too. And um, they want to connect. I, it took me two years to do that, yeah. um, to even get to that point of, you know, posting content. Now I can post any time of the day. People grab right. onto it at night or daytime. Um, but I'm always posting with my kid, my son, who he's a little LinkedIn kid now. People yeah. send him Christmas presents on a PO box. <laughs> Believe it or not, they ask for more than they ask for me. Uh, but yeah, I it's a process. You have to keep going. You dedicate yourself to the process because it's not going to happen overnight. Like my reach is, is far and it's building fast now. But that was momentum over hours, maybe an hour or two a day, putting in, engaging with posts, doing offset conversations off of the platform, do conversations, build those relationships off of the platform. Um, it takes time, but anything worth doing is it's worth it. We, I have a fantastic network I'm involved with. You know, you've seen some of them on here, Joe mm -hmm. and Paula. You know, we, I, I'm going to speak for them. We'd love to help you. And, you know, if you want to be tagged on posting or anything, Paula has 122,000 followers. Oh She's got God. a huge following and she just posts every day, kind of like you do, just inspirational stuff and poetry and everything. And, you know, and she's told her story, you know, and it organically just grows. You know, so, you know, just let us know what we can do to help. We, we love doing that. We love helping people out, help giving, getting the word out, you know? And so, uh, just an honor to have you on the show today. I'm so glad we crossed paths on the clubhouse cause I had no clue the room was going to go that way, but it was <laughs> yeah, meant to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. So really quick before we go, um, where can we find you? You can find me on right now, LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. And it's by my name. I don't have any aliases. Yeah. Uh, but you can find me on all those platforms, Twitter. I have a Facebook uh, business page that you can just look at my name and it'll pop up my personal and professional profile. Um, also on LinkedIn, I'm on there constantly. That is my yeah. heart. Now I'm on Clubhouse too. So by my name, you can find me there. Um, and yeah, and I'll definitely keep in touch and let you know of that uh, YouTube food channel. Excited. Uh, I'll see you on Clubhouse for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See up there in the corner, everybody. Follow the host right there on LinkedIn, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can follow my YouTube channel too, Nick Dorsey Leadership, for all the. Oh, past yeah, I definitely podcasts. started following that. I was like, I know nothing about YouTube, and I'm trying to figure that whole thing. I, I don't really either, but it's working. Um, <laughs> you can find us. <laughs> you can find all the audio versions on Anchor, which goes out to Spotify, Google. It goes to all those places. So that will be the audio will be on later this afternoon, everyone. Uh, Find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, on Instagram, find my link tree, which goes to all eight of my sites. So you can just find that there. And hey, guys, we're going to start doing the podcast on Saturdays. So every Saturday, this is our time slot. So mark it down. Let's be there. Uh, Shara, thank you so much for being on the show today. All Things Gratitude podcast. This is meant for people like you who can come on, who've been through hard times and show gratitude by giving back to the community. So uh, thank you so much. Um, good good luck with the YouTube channel. Good luck with the thank practice you. and the book. It's going to be fun watching your journey. And I'm glad thank I'm a part you. of it now, being part thank of this you network. Thank so much, so, Nick. All right, everyone. Have a great weekend. Uh, any questions, put them down on LinkedIn or uh, Facebook or uh, YouTube. And we'll get back to you after the show. Everybody have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week.